0: Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Jen Blood, the best-selling and award-winning author of the Aaron Solomon Mysteries. Her latest, Midnight Lullaby, is a prequel to the series, and it was released earlier this fall. Jen, welcome.
1: Thanks, Stephen. I'm so glad to be here.
0: It's a pleasure to have you, and I have to tell you, I have sort of a fetish for website taglines, and I really like yours, Mystery Mayhem Maine.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm a big fan of alliteration.
0: All right, let's get started by talking about Aaron and sort of her co-star in the series, Daniel Diggs Diggins. I, I noticed you call this the Aaron Solomon series, but this book, Midnight Lullaby, is is a thriller featuring the two of them on the, on the book tagline. So let's talk about the characters first, then we'll get into the series, then we'll get into the book. So tell, tell us about Aaron and Diggs, if you would.
1: Okay, sure. Well, Aaron and Diggs are uh, both investigative reporters. They uh, started their careers out in a small town in Maine. Aaron, uh, Diggs was actually Aaron's mentor when she was in high school. And so that sort of leads into a whole other thing uh, as uh, she gets older. Mm -hmm. And essentially that's, that's the basics of, of their relationship is it starts out with the work, but they've got a lot of, uh, they've got a long history and a friendship and uh, they just kind of have been the support system for one another for a very long time. So I really like that.
0: Um, that kind of rich history between them. Mhm. And and when the book opens, uh we learn a little bit about them and this is a prequel. So it's it's before the series starts mm-hmm. and we learn that Diggs is sort of coming off some sort of uh an embarrassing journalistic situation out west somewhere.
1: Yes. Yeah, Diggs has a hard time in life. He <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's he he doesn't have his the best taste in women he doesn't make the best choices some, sometimes uh, i think that makes him a more endearing character he's kind of an anti-hero and so yeah, when we begin and this, this book is told from Diggs' perspective, the Aaron Solomon series is told from Aaron's perspective. And okay.
0: So, All right.
1: uh, there's kind of that change there, but yeah, the Diggs has just come off a very poorly <laughs> executed marriage and <laughs> has <laughs> made some bad choices in his career. Uh, while with the wife and, uh, So yeah, he's just—he's kind of scarred. He's twenty-seven in this, and so he's kind of realizing that he's gonna—if he wants this career, then he's gonna need to make some choices and figure out what he wants. And uh, so this kind of what he does, but he ends up back in Maine with his tail between his legs and kind of trying to find himself again.
0: And how about Erin? I'm assuming she's not someone who consistently makes bad choices. And I love that phrase, a poorly executed marriage.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, Erin is is 19 in Midnight Lullaby, and she is in her second year at Wellesley. She's kind of an overachiever who is very clear about what she wants, and she wants a career in investigative journalism, and Diggs occasionally gets in the way because he is trying to protect protect her and she's not super fond of that. No. But uh but yeah, she's someone who's a very strong young female character. And so the two of them definitely butt heads, but ultimately they complement each other very well.
0: And this series is interesting in and of itself. You it's it's a you actually refer to it as the Aaron Solomon Pentology. So a a five-book series, but here's the prequel, and then there are also some short stories that are scattered about and gathered together in a collection. So what's the deal with all of this? Was this your plan from the beginning, or uh, has it just evolved because the stories were so popular? I Initially,
1: I started out with uh, All the Blue-Eyed Angels, which is the first Aaron Solomon mystery. Uh And I actually started that as an undergrad in, like, 1999. And uh, so it took me a while to kind of figure out where I was going with it. But I did realize once I finished the final draft of it that I had actually a a five-book arc. Mm -hmm. in mind and completely plotted out and everything before I really realized just how insane that was (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so but the books the book proved to be very popular um, thankfully and the characters really took on a life of their own and so Fans were very interested in where Diggs and Aaron had kind of begun this whole journey with uh, both on their own and together. Mm -hmm. And I started kind of thinking about that and just basically when I was kind of trying to generate interest on the website, I would do short stories periodically about Diggs and Aaron in the beginning. Mm-hmm. when um when aaron was in high school and they were at uh in the small town in maine and that proved to be very popular people really wanted to learn more and i got the idea for midnight lullaby and i just uh and i realized that it was definitely digg's story it wasn't an aaron story this was this was digg's mm-hmm. and it just made sense to kind of go back and see the catalyst of the whole thing at that point.
0: All right, so now's a great time to transition into the storyline for Midnight Lullaby. So what what can you tell us about the storyline without giving anything away? Sure.
1: Well, basically, it revolves around the murder, uh, the ritual murder of a Sudanese refugee in uh, Portland, Maine. And it takes place in the summer of uh, 2000. And Diggs is in the process of trying to sort of reestablish himself as a journalist, as a serious journalist. And so he starts investigating this particular crime and it kind of it pulls him into the, the community of African immigrants to some extent in Portland and also Kind of, there's black magic and crooked politicians and a lot of different things kind of at play Mm -hmm. as the story evolves, but ultimately at the core of it is this this, um, woman who was a victim of, of ritual murder in Portland,
0: so... And, and one of the things that they tell all authors, especially in the beginning, uh, probably going all the way back to when you, fir- you wrote the first book of the series, is write what you know. And you are a journalist, mm-hmm. and you live in Maine, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. so <laughs> is, is is that the way this has evolved? And this book is set in the year 2000. You started writing the uh, the first book in the series around 1999, mm-hmm. so uh, it. I just find this interesting, the way the whole thing has come together.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely, it is. I actually, when I first imagined the Aaron Solomon series, or when I first wrote it, uh, Aaron was a theologian. Oh. And it became became very clear very quickly that I did not know enough to make her a theologian. (laughs) And I wasn't prepared to learn quite what I needed to know. Mm -hmm. And so... So once I established her as a journalist, which I knew a whole lot better, (laughs) then everything really fell into place at that point. And it really I I think that it's good to stretch yourself as a writer and and to explore other things. But especially if you're doing a long running series, it makes things so much simpler if you're writing some stuff that you have uh,
0: some kind of knowledge of. Well, this was really cool for me, because I had the opportunity to read Midnight Lullaby. I really enjoyed it, and it's a prequel, so it's not like I, I read the sixth book in the series without having any sense of what was going on, but now I like these characters so much, I want to read them all, so what a clever idea. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks. <laughs> hey, all right. Yeah. Now, what's the time frame for the series? The prequel's in the year 2000. Uh, what, when is book five? What year?
1: Um, it's, uh, the first one in the, in the, uh, Aaron Solomon series takes place in 2012. Okay. And, uh, it kind of runs for a couple of years, 2012 to 2014
0: or 15. Okay. So there's a big time gap between Midnight Lullaby and and the first book in the series. Yes. A whole lot happened between the two. And the first book in the series is All the Blue-Eyed Angels. Do I have that Right. Yes, yeah, and it is i noticed available for free on Amazon right now
1: it is, yeah, yep, and uh yeah it it's um it's been out for a little while and has done well, and uh yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a cool read.
0: And it's a great way to introduce people to a series as well. The whole idea of the first book in the series being free. So let's talk about this journey that you've made as a writer. You started writing this a long time ago. Life got in the way. I saw from your website that you were a certified dog trainer for a while. Yes, uh, you may still be a certified dog trainer, are you?
1: <laughs> I, I believe the certification is still good. I I don't actively uh, train dogs uh, apart from my own, um, mm-hmm. and he's yeah got issues. So, <laughs> 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 so but uh, yeah, I actually I let's see, I uh, started the series in '99. Finished uh, undergrad, went to graduate school, and continued actually working on Mysteries and uh, that particular book, and graduated in 2005, and then kind of decided I was going to take a break and try some new things. So I Mm -hmm. moved to Oregon and uh, worked at an animal rescue and became a certified dog trainer and my uh, boyfriend at the time bought an elementary school in Kentucky on eBay,
0: and we moved there. And <laughs> you know, I saw that. I saw yeah. something about something you bought, but it didn't make sense to me, and I just skipped over it. That's what it was. He bought a school.
1: Yes. yes. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so we lived there and uh, trained dogs, <laughs> and and ultimately I came back here in 2000. Uh, 2000- I think it was November of 2007 and did some other things and continued with the dog training and working with local shelters and, um, a mentor that I worked with here and, uh, yeah, but yeah, I have a real, um, a huge love for animals and a soft spot for dogs and mm-hmm. was, it just, it seems like a natural kind of direction
0: to go. And another of the things that you have done while writing and and around all these other things is that you are also a professional editor for other authors. Yes,
1: yeah, I do. Um, I run a business called Adian Editing. That actually keeps me very busy at this point. And so, and my focus is on plot-driven fiction. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so I I do content and copy editing for and uh, some beta reading. For authors, really around the world at this point, I've got clients.
0: Um, yeah, everyone, and at least at least people. one of your clients has been on this show, Joanna Penn. Mm-hmm. So uh, there may have been others that have been on this show as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, having read Joanna's work, I like your work as an as an editor. So and I like the books that you write. But when you write your own books, it's like you said, I'm a certified dog trainer, but my dog, well, he's got issues. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What does that mean when it comes to self editing your own books, or do you just not do that?
1: Um, well, I have a beta reader, a mm-hmm. very trusted and very clever beta reader uh, whom I love and who does amazing things. And so I work with her. And I, but in terms of the actual editing at this point, I do most of my own editing. I have other uh trusted pre-readers who will mm-hmm. go through and point out if I've if I've missed things in proofreading and stuff. But the bulk of the editing itself I pretty much do on my own at this point.
0: Must so. be nice to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it easier or harder to edit your own work?
1: Um you know it's much harder. It's very easy to I mean it's not easy to well, edit other people's work, uh, but it's a skill that I've developed over, I've been doing it for about 15 years now. Yeah. You're not tied into things. You get the novel when it's done versus when you're working on your own work, you've been working on it from the inception. And a lot of times you've got all of those sort of different storylines swirling around at the same time. Right. But, yeah, when you when you're working with somebody else, you get the finished product. You're uh, an objective third party. You can go through, and um,
0: it's a lot easier. Are and, you able to quiet your own mind when you're writing and just let it fly?
1: Yes, I am actually, thankfully, because uh, otherwise I would get nothing done. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you really, uh, for me, it's critical to just uh, toss the editor kind of out the window for that time and just, as you said, let the words fly, really let the plot unfold the way that it needs to. Mm -hmm. And um, for my own process, I find that I usually don't, I do outline my work before I start, but I don't know really what the novel is ultimately going to be about until I'm about 25,000 words in. And, uh, that's when I start to really get a feel for what I'm writing and, and thematically what I'm going for.
0: How far do you veer off from your outline?
1: Um, I usually stay fairly close to it. Uh, though with Midnight Lullaby, this, I, my original Uh, outline had absolutely nothing to do with what I ultimately ended up writing so I guess in that case that's the exception (laughs) when you're doing a longer series like the the uh, five book series you really have to kind of or I had to have a real uh, firm sense of where I was going with it and um, stay fairly close to that if the mystery was going to make any sense from book one to book five.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. The whole idea of a five-book arc, you start, it's like building a five-story building. You start messing with the first story. It, it's it's going to, the, yeah. uh, the fifth story is going to collapse. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Well, Jen, this has been fun. Where can people find Midnight Lullaby and the rest of the series?
1: Uh, they can find it on uh, pretty much any of the ebook outlets. On It's on uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Kobo, I believe a couple of the titles are, on the ice, are in the iStore at this point, but, uh, and I'll be working on getting more. And, the, and then they're available on, in print through Amazon or through uh, my website. I have a list of independent booksellers that stock the books, and ah, you can order them there.
0: Cool. And your website, that's probably the best place for people to keep up with you and, and your work.
1: Yep, absolutely. They can uh, keep up m- with me there and uh, sign up for the newsletter and whatever else uh, and free books and all that stuff. And
0: that website is net, right? Yes, correct. Okay. I will link to that in the show notes. I'm also going to link to your editing uh, company in the show notes right. as sure. well. So uh, thanks so much for being here today, Jen. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks so much, Stephen.
0: This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you do pop by the website, please sign up for the email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Midnight Lullaby from Jen Blood. Thanks for listening.